didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney, and this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, taking a look at every single episode of Stranger Things. We have made it through all four seasons, and now we are in the deep, dark void of waiting for season five. So in the meantime, Colin and I are doing some special episodes, and this week it's one of our influence episodes where we're talking about one of the movies that influence Stranger Things, and it is E.T., the extraterrestrial. So Colin is here with your summary. We begin in the California woods where a gaggle of aliens are picking plants. When government trucks arrive, the aliens scatter, but one gets left behind as the spaceship flies away. He hides in the shed at the Taylor home. While inside the house, Elliot's older brother Michael and his friends are playing D&D. Elliot's dog starts going nuts outside, so Elliot investigates, He throws a ball into the shed, and it gets tossed back to him. Later on, he investigates further and discovers the alien in the cornfield behind his house. They both scream. The next day, Elliot drops a trail of Reese's Pieces for the alien, eventually luring him into the house. He decides to play sick so he can stay home with the alien, and after school, he eventually shows it to Michael and his little sister, Gertie. Elliot realizes that he can feel the alien's emotions, which comes to a head in school the next day when the alien drinks a beer from the Taylor family fridge, and Elliot starts feeling drunk himself as the whole class is getting ready to dissect frogs. The alien, now named E.T. by the kids, wants to go home, so the kids gather some parts and pieces to help him make a communication device, as all the while government agents close in. The next day is Halloween, so the kids dress up E.T. as a ghost under a sheet, As the trick-or-treating winds down, Elliot bikes with E.T. to the landing site in the woods so he can call his buddies. Along the way, E.T. makes the bike fly, finally giving director Steven Spielberg a logo for his production company along the way. E.T. phones home, and Elliot falls asleep. When he wakes up the next morning, E.T. is gone, and Elliot starts feeling sick. Michael finds E.T. near death in a ditch and brings him back to the Taylor house. By now, the government agents have found them and take over the house, setting up a research lab to study E.T., E.T. makes Elliot better, but dies in the process. Later, Elliot cries over the alien's body and tells him he loves him, which is all the little dude needs to come back to life. His heart light glows, and the kids smuggle E.T. away in a government van. Michael's friends meet them with bikes and elude the police when E.T. makes them all fly. They touch down in the forest just as the spaceship lands, taking E.T. back to his home planet. The end of E.T. In the end of one of my most hated movies of all time. Not a fan either. I got to tell you. I I don't know what it is. Like, I know it's so beloved, but I just do not enjoy it. It's too sad for me. I mean, I was not quite 11 when it came out. And I, I remember seeing it. And I remember being traumatized by the scene where Elliot finds E.T. in the cornfield and shines a light on him. And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, just just traumatized I was, me, and I was I think talking I was with two. Yeah, yeah two and I, I was out. talking with Holly about it, and she hated the scene when they're at the end when ET's dying, and, the and he's like his gray ashy yeah, body. Just, yeah, it's so awful. She, so she hates that whole thing. But and then just rewatching it again, I just I don't know. I just don't. I don't. I, can't I don't like it. Yeah. Like I don't. It's not an enjoyable watch for me, and. It's, I mean, obviously I don't like it because it's sad, but 
It also, I remember being scared of it a little bit when I was little. And then I went into this phase where I loved it and I had this like E.T. stuffed animal, but it wasn't, it was like made out of like vinyl or something. It was like real slick Hmm. material. And I like carried that around for a long time. But then as I've gotten older, it's just, it's not one of those movies I look back on like Goonies or raiders or anything else from the 80s where i'm like oh i love that movie no i don't yeah i mean i remember when it came out when i was in school and i remember going around and going "Mm, steve's dungeon master yeah (laughs) absolute power so i mean i remember those kind of things and i remember Mm -hmm. you know but i just be scared out of my mind and being really sad after it and never never looking back on it with nostalgia going oh that's a movie i need to see again I mean, you mentioned Goonies. I could watch Goonies every day of my life, right? You know, and, and just keep watching it over and over again. And we'll obviously talk about that sometime in the future as an influence episode too. But yeah, so okay, ET came out June eleventh, nineteen eighty two. It was written by Melissa Matheson, though really written by Steven Spielberg and directed by Spielberg. This came why out- was Spielberg so? Why, why did, it was like with Poltergeist too? Like it, he, like he didn't want, like it wasn't supposed to be him writing it. Did he like have this thing where he wasn't allowed to or something? Oh well, I know he I know he was kind of not really, but also directing Poltergeist at the same time because he's not you know credited. As oh, is that, that. So, why? So he was doing Poltergeist, and this is a year came out a year after Raiders, so he was he was kind of busy doing stuff. So he wanted to do ET after he finished Close Encounters and the final scene in Close Encounters, which is another movie we will talk about influence on sometime in the future. But the final scene of close encounters when the alien ship comes down and the alien goes on board and blah, blah, blah. So that gave him the idea to do ET. So he kind of had that thought going in his head. So he kind of had the story worked out and basically dictated it to Melissa Matheson and let her take screenwriting credit for it. Um, She actually got nominated for an Oscar for it. So the cast, um, a lot of people already obviously know a lot of these. Dee Wallace is the mom, Mary, Henry Thomas. It's only a second movie played. Elliot, Peter Coyote is Keys, the government agent. Robert McNaughton is the brother, Michael Drew Barrymore, obviously famously as Gertie, which led her to becoming the youngest ever host of Saturday Night Live shortly after this. And then a little bit of interesting trivia that I wouldn't have caught on, but I might have probably, now that I'm older and watched it again, that Erica Alaniac played the girl in the classroom who Elliot kisses and that's you know so she went on obviously in the 90s to make you know under siege with steven seagal and a bunch of other stuff was a playboy that kind of stuff oh Um, erica yeah so it was just kind of it was kind of funny to see her you know younger i'd never really even you know put obviously at the time i would have no idea who erica leniac is but now i do so erica uh, it was made for ten and a half million dollars. It made it all back in its opening weekend. Had a twelve million dollar opening weekend in June of '82. Went on to make almost eight hundred million dollars total. The opening weekend, the number two movie, just to put you in the mindset, was Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan. Number three was Rocky Three. Number four was Poltergeist, and number five was Grease Two. So those were the movies that were around at the time. I have a question for you. Yes. When you first watched this, did you think E.T. was a baby and he'd gotten separated from his family? I No, I didn't think he was a baby. I thought he was younger and I thought they were all kind of the same age. I think that I thought they were all I didn't necessarily think it was family and baby. I thought it was, you know, gaggle of aliens and one one just got separated. But I went my entire life thinking that this little alien was a baby. 
And really, he's just a botanist who got distracted while at work. Right. He's somewhere, not... somewhere they said he's like a million years old or something like that. And, you know, they, but he, there, there, I saw somewhere something. Maybe I would have liked Maybe. it better if he was a baby. Yeah, could be. I don't know. <laughs> so we mentioned with Jaws and Nightmare, the um, American Film Institute, AFI, 100 Years, 100 Movies thing. So E.T. comes in at number 25 is the 25 or 25th best movie uh, of all time, according to AFI. It's number six among inspiring movies, the, you know, 100 Years, 100 Cheers. Yeah. The E.T. phone home, uh, the famous quote from the movie, this one. E.T. phone home. Comes in at number 15 for best movie quotes of all time. John Williams' score. number 14 of all time and it also comes in as the number 44 most thrilling movie so 100 years 100 what? thrills what so. else was in the thrilling category uh well jaws was number two because remember jaws was yeah. two psycho was one and then et's in there and et's at number 44 and it's so. supposed to be a kid's movie yeah so or a family movie in... yeah mm-hmm. yeah so I went back and I looked up like I did with the other ones the original trailer for the movie and this honestly has to be it's got to be top five, if not the worst movie trailer ever made for a movie. I will play it for you and you can listen to it. Obviously, you can't see what's going on, but it's just it's just clips from the movie. But listen to the narration on this trailer. In 1975, he directed Jaws. In 1978, he directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In 1981, he directed Raiders of the Lost Ark. And now, Steven Spielberg brings us E.T., the extraterrestrial. We will witness the arrival, the search, the desertion, the fear, the discovery, the friendship, I'm keeping him. The secret. The love. The warning. The signal. The mystery. The danger. The intrusion. The wonderment. The enchantment. The hope, the connection has been made. Universal Pictures presents Steven Spielberg's E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Is that the most ridiculous trailer you have ever heard? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like been like parodied so much though. Yeah. Like Oh my lord. That it's 
I don't know. There's okay. a lot going on with this. So movie. we we both freely admit that we know we are in the minority as far as people yeah. loving this movie. Yes. And no hate to anybody that no. doesn't. I mean, obviously, it. you know, people have their opinions and you know, we love Stranger Things. We just don't love ET that much. So right. I went back and looked up the original, you know, critics' reviews. And of course, this was prime Siskel and Ebert time. So Gene Siskel in the Chicago Tribune wrote, and I quote. E.T. is a pure delight. It is the kind of film that young people are going to want to see again immediately after they've seen it. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if some theaters have trouble ejecting children who want to stay for the next show. I have written elsewhere that love stories seem to be in short supply these days, as they have been in the last decade of American movies. But the hunger for love on the screen is there, and director Spielberg gives it to us in E.T. And because the lovers are a little boy and a little creature... We accept it. That's weird. It's it, weird. It is. That's weird. a weird way to put it. So then and, I found I found the Siskel and Ebert the TV show that they used to do, and so this is Ebert agreeing with Siskel and adding. When I saw this movie, I felt the way that I'm sure people felt when they saw Wizard of Oz for the first time. Mm -hmm. I felt as if I had been introduced to a magical movie. A movie that's going to last for years and years and years and be treasured by one generation after the next. It's a great film. So there's there's Siskel and Ebert talking about E.T. So, which on the topic of weird, I would like to bring up a photo that Spielberg took with the alien, with E.T. Okay. And the caption reads something like, I don't know what's going on here. But this photo of Spielberg and E.T. is about 80% more sexy than it should be. And it's got, like, a very, like, soft glow to it. Like, it's very, like, <laughs> do you know what, what's the term in photography where they, like, soften, like. Oh, every, like a Vaseline all... lens kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. And it's, like, he's, like, E.T. is behind him, which is weird because he would have had to have stood on like a stool or something right and spielberg is sitting down and et's arms are wrapped around spielberg and then he's like touching his long spindly fingers with one hand and et's finger is glowing <laughs> we, we gotta share it, we gotta share it's, this it's it's a very bizarre photo it, like it, i just I'm not sure. I, I remember it at the time, actually, I think, yeah, too. What so. the thought process was yeah. where they were like, let's take this photo. Okay. Yeah, we will We will definitely post a picture of that. And I'll also post a clip. Um, I'll, I'll post the link to Siskel and Ebert's review so you guys can watch that, too. So uh, the last thing before we get into the Stranger Things tie-ins, want to take a guess what it's at on Rotten Tomatoes? 87. 99%. Are you serious? Like... From critics? That's the critics? E.T. is at 99% on Rotten Tomatoes among critics. The audience score, which gives me a little bit of hope for humanity, is only at 72%. So I know. I'm sorry. I, I just, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, no, I mean, you and, you and I are right with it. I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't really hate it as an exercise in filmmaking i think no no i don't filmmaking i do have a problem though with the ending because it just ends and it and it just seems like it's screaming for like some kind of epilogue or you know elliot goes back to his bedroom the next day and he finds the you know the speak and spell and he you know 
has a wistful moment and looks to the stars, just like a little epilogue. But it's the just government people are still chasing the kids at the end, right? They're still after. Yeah, them. I mean they're still after them, and then the house is still a mess, and everything's all upside down, and the spaceship flies off and leaves the rainbow in the sky, and the end. And that's it. Just it just seems those like, kids are going to die. The government's going to kill them for yeah. knowing what they know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. that's why there was all never right. a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, they're all dead. <laughs> So uh, let's get into some of the connections between this movie, which I believe this is the most heavily referenced movie in Stranger Things. Yeah, I mean, and and I got that watching watching again last week. It just it it, it seems like it's in the same world as Stranger Things. I mean, everything is. It does, but I also wonder if it's because that was just the eighties. Yeah, I mean, true. Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, there obviously there are some very obvious callbacks, which we'll talk about, like Matt talking about the overall feel and genre of Stranger Things is connected to E.T. in the sense that, you know, he's saying the kids are dealing with something extraordinary and then they use that same opening Dungeons and Dragons scene where they open up and, you know, the whole like aesthetic of everything with the buyer's house and the wood paneling and the shag carpet. And like, if you were alive during that time, which I guess a lot of our audience was not, it is, it is dead on what it was like. Like We had wood paneling in our basement and we had, you know, garishly orange shag carpet. Oh yeah. And and it's kind of funny because you think, you know, a lot of people think back at, well, let's, let's play the clip from Matt first. So this is Matt. This is Matt talking about the, the influence that, E.T. had on Stranger Things. E.T. was a big film for us growing up, as it was for a lot of kids. It was, like, mildly traumatizing. But, you know, it was a huge influence on us in terms of the opening scene of Stranger Things is, you know, our kids playing Dungeons and & Dragons and eating pizza. And that's, there. you know, there's obviously a scene in E.T. where the kids are playing D&D. And, but the idea of basically a kid in a relatable suburban setting who encounters something extraordinary, the feeling that that gave us as kids is the feeling that we wanted to capture with the show. So, yeah, I mean, when, you know, obviously this was filmed in 81 because it came out in the summer of 82. And, you know, everybody thinks the 80s is all neon and keyboard ties and, you know, bright colors and everything like this. But the early half of the 80s, this is exactly what it was like. And it's the aesthetic that the Duffers brought into Stranger Things. I mean, they only said it, you know, Stranger Things obviously started in 83. That's when it was set. So, you know, not a lot is going to change, obviously, but yeah, no, the, and- the, the buyer's house and the wheeler's house is, and I know, I remember you talking about Lucas's parents' dining room furniture. The wheels. It, yeah. I mean, this was all wheels on their kitchen table. Right, it's all what it looked like. Chairs. I mean, it was very, I mean, the whole aesthetic is, is identical and spot on. I mean, it, it is. And, you know, I feel like the seventies gets hit with a lot of criticism for being brown and orange and so just muted i guess Mm -hmm. earth tones like drab yeah yeah but that really bled over into the 80s and we didn't really hit the neon thing until madonna hit the scene madonna is the one i feel like that ushered in madonna cindy lopper they ushered in that neon era yeah like 84 probably right in there right 84 into 85 i I I feel like it took a while to hit so we're in Kentucky, though, so we're behind on everything. So top five ways Stranger Things was influenced by E.T. I'll start at number five and go with the whole idea of the government 
monitoring what's going on, that the what the kids are doing, that the government scientists are the enemy and the researchers and hazmat suits and all that kind of stuff. There was obviously the whole scene with the government agents chasing the kids on bikes, which happens obviously in season one. And the Duffers actually talked at the time and said, we originally did not have a bike chase plan for this season, season one. It obviously is very reminiscent of E.T., and we tried to resist the impulse. We honestly did, but we're only human. So obviously, you know, the kids being chased when L does the van flip in episode seven and the kids, you know, doing their thing. And then E.T., you know, does the version of the van flip, which is mm-hmm. making them fly away. So I also remember when we started season two and this was in episode two of season two, when we flash back to L when she's in the upside down in the school and she kind of mm-hmm. breaks through the, you know, the goo on the wall of the school and goes back yeah. to Mike's house and all the police cars are in the yard and she looks yeah, and through the window. Her and then the window. after that scene, there's the whole scene with the flashlights in the woods and the cops are looking and which is very similar to E.T.'s mm-hmm. opening scene. And then I also kind of got the vibe a little bit in episode three of season four, when the helicopter landed at Owens's house in Nevada when he was, you know, at home and and Sullivan comes in in the helicopter and the lights and it's all dark and the lights are shining yeah. in the windows and everything. So that kind of thing. So that I think is kind of number five, the whole government idea and, and you know, everything that the government researchers do and, you know, how that obviously ties in with, with Stranger Things. Yes. So I have number four in that this was the other than the opening scene where it pans down from the sky. Other than that, this was the moment that I noticed and I was like, oh, this is a lot of E.T. feels. And it is when they dressed Eleven up as the girl. Yes. Or not as the, you know, they. As as a girl. Eleven. Yeah. Put the wig on her. and Yeah. Yeah. yeah Eleven yeah. is a girl. But I'm saying that they, you know, put the wig on her and gave her that pink dress. And it is dead on when Gertie dresses E.T. up. Right. As the little girl, which it's. Can we talk about that scene? Because it's right before, actually, that scene. It's when the mom gets the call that Elliot is drunk. Yes. At school. The mom is like, Gertie, I have to go get your brother. Can you be a good girl until I get back? That child is like two. <laughs> she is like two years old. And she's like, can you just be a good girl till I get back? Yeah. Just just hang out. Watch some TV. Drink some beer. What? I'll be back. And nobody batted an eye at it in the yeah. 80s. And now it is literally illegal to leave your kid home if they're under 10. Right, <laughs> so. right. So, okay, so here's Ross talking about how that scene influenced Stranger Things. Yes. And then in episode three in season one, we have the kids also trying to dress up Eleven to make her seem like a normal girl, which was a nod to when they they try to they dress up E.T. to try to make E.T. fit in. And then we also have the whole thing with E.T. and Eleven seeing television as the first time for the first time and it's a foreign concept to them because they've never seen anything like it and i believe it's when isn't this when mike has to leave her at home or is he showing her i can't remember no mike yeah mike mike is showing she her sees the, the coat commercial the tv and and the, and the coat commercial well because she's also home alone too at, at one point that's so, what i couldn't remember yeah. if she was at home when she saw this so yeah because like, he shows her the, the lazy boy and the pictures on the mantle and everything yes and then when she's home, she kind of turns on the TV and sees the Coke ad and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is similar to when E.T. turns on the TV and subsequently gets Elliot, a very young child, 
like CPS would have been called immediately. (laughs) Not just come get your kid. Like, just meet us at the police station because we're arresting you because your child is drunk at school. (laughs) And obviously, I mean, the whole idea, too, of, you know, a a young boy hiding a alien creature in their house from the parents and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Which is why a lot of people will... A lot of fans think that this is why Mike and Eleven can't even ever be together is because they're like, Ross and Matt literally compared her to an alien. Why would you want a human with an alien? And right. it's like, <laughs> all right, guys, you're really reaching, but okay. okay. Number three, I, I I think just the just the characters themselves, there's a Mike in both et and stranger things mm-hmm. there's a steve and both et and stranger things there's the precocious little sister it's gertie versus holly you also have this paranormal creature whether it's l or et you mm-hmm. have a divorced mom with two boys you know obviously with gertie you have the shady government dude in a hazmat suit wandering around so a lot of the characters are the same mm-hmm. and you know thinking about this you know, I know when the, and you know, obviously when the Duffers pitched the whole show and it was Montauk and everything, and they used clips from movies and aesthetics mm-hmm. from movies, E.T. obviously weighed very heavily on that. And it is kind of funny because season one and even to season two, you see a lot more of these influences than you do in season three and season four. Like season four, there's little Easter eggs and little nuggets here and there, but there's not so much the oh, that's straight out of E.T. moment or that's straight out of Goonies moment, which you did early on because they were still kind of in the wake of pitching their show and they wanted to establish the vibe and all that kind of thing. But then Mm -hmm. obviously as the show goes on, it kind of veers off in its own direction and becomes its own show, which obviously shows that come after it will now (laughs) reference Stranger Things. I'm sure we'll do a podcast in 10 years about some movie and we can go back and how it you know, was built off Stranger Things. So, oh, I already saw something where it was a while ago. They ref they referred to Sean Astin as you know he's Bob from Stranger Things, right. and I'm like, right. no, he is not. No, he's not. That is Mikey from he's the Goonies. And then he was Rudy. <laughs> yeah. And then he was in Lord of the Rings. And then, yes, or you know, or Sam. What was his last Samwise? Samwise. Oh, oh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Samwise. Yeah, yeah. Ganji. Yes. Samwise Ganji. Yep. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay number yeah. two. Number two, we've got the Halloween, and we have a clip from Ross, so let's play that. And then in season two, of course, is our Halloween season, and, and E.T. is set around Halloween, so uh, we looked at that for inspiration in terms of the costumes that all the kids were wearing as they sort of went out and went out into the world. And it is in season two when Eleven dresses up as the ghost, you know, and just has the, it's a sheet with holes cut out. Yeah. And E.T., that's how the kids dress up E.T. as to sneak him out of the house to try to get away. And then on that same night, you've got, you know, Karen and Joyce and everyone taking photos of the boys dressed up as the Ghostbusters with their Polaroid cameras, which is they just can't get enough of the kids in their costumes. Yeah. And Mary, Mary does the same thing with Michael and and Elliot E.T. So, yeah. Yeah. Before we get to number one, let's talk about just some little bonus Easter eggy kind of things uh, mm-hmm. from E.T. that show up in Stranger Things. Obviously, like physical appearances, E.T., an E.T. doll, figurine, whatever, is right next to Dart's terrarium. And uh, I think you first see it in episode three of season two when Dustin drops Dart into the new mm-hmm. terrarium. You can see the E.T. figure uh, right there in a blink and you miss it kind of thing. In the very first episode of Stranger Things, when the boys arrive from school, 
and it's right before Troy and James come up behind him and they do the whole toothless midnight bit. Yeah. There's a kid uh, behind Troy and James and he has an E.T. lunchbox. Oh, you couldn't get away. E.T. took over every store. I mean, the merchandise was literally everywhere. Yeah. You could not get away from it. And we, we've talked about all these during during the course mm-hmm. of the podcast, but uh, in episode one of season four, when Dustin and Mike are looking for people to join the Hellfire Club and Dustin calls Steve at the video store and E.T. phone home is written in the payphone, mm-hmm. uh, written on the payphone that Dustin's using. We've mentioned before when Murray lands in California to go see Joyce, he gives the address of 14, 4819 Lonzo Way and the actual filming location for the Taylor House in E.T., was 7121 Lonzo Street in Los Angeles. That's the real life address of the ET house. Then the whole concept of, you know, using a radio to phone home and Dustin using the radio to, you know, phone Susie. The first reveal of the creature, you know, is Elliot mm-hmm. shining the flashlight in ET's face in the corn maze and, and the boy shining the flashlight in Elle's face in the woods at Merkwood. And then one last little bit of information, a little trivia question that kind of comes up on trivia nights every once in a while. E.T. was the first movie that ever mentioned the name Boba Fett in it. So if you ever ask the, get asked the trivia question or want to ask the trivia question, what movie, in what movie do we first hear Boba Fett's name? Everybody's going to assume it's Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, but he went through Empire Strikes Back, which came out in 1980 and was never called by name on screen. And then Elliot, when he's showing E.T. the action figures, this is my Boba Fett. This is my Snaggletooth. This is so that's the first time in a movie that Boba Fett's name is said because he's not named in the Star Wars universe until Return of the Jedi, which came out a year later. So little trivia. How did he know what his name was then? Because the toy came out and the toy on the box said Boba Fett. But it was never revealed in Empire Strikes Back. He was never named out loud in Empire Strikes Back as being named Boba Fett. So, a little trivia. So, anyway. Huh. Huh. Yeah. That's a lot of trivia. Number one, I think just the whole idea, the whole plot of how both Stranger Things and E.T. begin. So, as Matt mentioned in that first quote that we heard... We pan down at night from the stars and then there's this freaky sci-fi moment going on. And then the next scene is kids sitting around a table, Dungeons and Dragons with a sausage and pepperoni pizza, which is the pizza that Dustin offers Nancy. And then the kid brings the creature back into his own house. Then he stays home sick, pretending, you know, pretending to be sick. And then he's actually even in a bunk bed and he's, you know, using the light to raise the temperature on the thermometer. So that is all exactly E.T. and Stranger Things. So just the whole idea of how E.T. and Stranger Things started and the basic plot points that got everything rolling are identical. So that had to be our number one. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's hard. You can't deny it. Like, you know, sometimes I roll my eyes when people are like, you think this is a callback to blah, blah, blah. Or like, I don't know, like last week someone was, I don't know if we talked about this in the last episode and we were talking about someone wondered if Jeffrey Dahmer went to high school with the. Oh yeah. I saw that clip there. Yeah. There's a background shot of like somebody who's dressed like Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh my gosh. When they get to the school. Yeah. No, it's no, not. It's like, just the person. Just what, it's just what people dress like. Yeah. In the 80s. yeah, yeah Relax. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We've got some emails. Are we ready to dive into them? Our first email is from Aiden. 
And I think this is his first time he's written in, but he says, hey, my name is Aiden and I've been a fan of yours since season four came out. So I'm kind of new. I'm 10 years old and here's my ranking of the seasons from Stranger Things. And his go from least favorite to most favorite. And it is two, three, one, four, which is kind of controversial. Four over one. I think it's freshest in people's minds. So, yeah. I agree. That's okay, though. We oh, like yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And he says, anyway, I hope you see this and I can hear you read this on the podcast. Bye. Yeah. And and we're, you know, we're not going to do a top five episode on favorite seasons because there's only four, no. and, you know, and, and so. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone's is kind of least favorite is is two. I think it's just. Which I is. I think. Which is. Yeah, I think. Still I, I such think a good no, season. no, no. I disagree. I think everybody's least favorite is is three. Really? Yes. Okay. That's a, a lot of like my Stranger Things Twitter feed is a lot of, a lot of people dislike three. I mean, and they love two. Honestly, but... and this is, I know we say this all the time. It's like picking your least favorite flavor of ice cream. I love yeah. all four seasons. All of them. Yeah. All have but great Two great is the one I watch. Two is the one I rewatch the least. Yes, I would agree. And I think three is the one I will rewatch the most because I yes. love the whole mall mm-hmm. aesthetic and, and all of the, you know, Robin and Steve moments and all that kind of stuff. So I agree. But I think one is great too. And four is phenomenal too. Obviously four is just so sad. Yeah. So, four is incredibly sad. Yeah. So. And we have another email and it's from Lucy and it says, it's Lucy. I just wanted to say, I was so excited to listen to the podcast all week and I got even more excited on Thursday, but then I couldn't listen to it because I had a ton of homework. So that was sad. But then today on Friday, I only had a half a day. So I got home early, but then I went and got lunch and walked around at a lake for two hours, but I enjoyed it. Then I had to do my homework. So after all that wait, I finally listened to the podcast. I loved hearing all the funny and not so funny one-liners. It was so weird to have my name being said, but it made me really happy. And you guys are so sweet. To Harriet, I really liked your music dinner costume. It was really creative. So, hello, Lucy. Glad you were back. Glad you loved the podcast. And Harriet, we hope you hear that Lucy loved your music dinner costume. It was a good music dinner costume. But speaking of her music dinner costume, we had a tweet from Stranger Still, another Stranger Things podcast, and it's just said in all caps, oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. To Harriet's <laughs> costume. I agree. So. And we have an email from Harriet, and it says, hi, Colin and Whitney. I have a Halloween costume photo. I decided to do a cowboy ghost look. I just have riding boots on under the sheet. Hope you enjoy. Yeehaw. Love, Harriet. Yeah, we'll, and, po- we'll post a picture of that so you guys can see yes, Harriet's Halloween It's very costume. reminiscent yeah. of... Uh, L as a ghost, too. Yeah, and E.T., absolutely. Mm -hmm. Our next email is from Kathy and her daughter, Willow, in England. It says, Dear Gertie and Elliot, which I like. (laughs) I guess I'm Gertie. (laughs) Probably. I'll I'll be Elliot. Thanks for doing E.T. I know you're not big fans. I really enjoyed rewatching it with Willow and enjoying the magic of it. I think Stranger Things really captures the feel of E.T. Willow definitely thinks E.T. and L are kindred spirits. From the kids playing their game, the single mom trying to keep it all together, the guy in power, can you really trust him, to the telekinesis, Gertie dressing up E.T. as a girl, and of course, the bike chase. I thought the film was fantastic. And those are all the things that we've already talked about. So mm-hmm. absolutely spot on. And then she also has her superlatives, which she's calling her Kathy moment. <laughs> which I love. I guess I should have trademarked Colin moment, I guess, right? <laughs> 
Using a light to heat up a thermometer to fake illness. I definitely got that from watching E.T. I think I did, too, actually. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. Oh, um, yeah. I never did it, though. Yeah. I don't think I did it ever successfully, but I, I do have it in my head, and I think it was must have been... Temperature's 172. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most 80s moment, she said. I never had to do it, but I imagine that frog dissection is not something that's done these days, and I don't I don't know. I, I, I think it is. I did. I don't... But I did it, and... I want to say Evie did it, or maybe they did. I know my friend did a lamb's eyeball. I heard like fetal school. fetal pigs are a thing. Fetal yeah. pigs. Yeah. So I did a frog for sure. I did a frog too. Yeah. I can't remember what else, yeah. but yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it is still. I, done. I think so. Yeah. Uh, best line she said: uh, Michael saying maybe it was a pervert or a deformed kid or something, and then she says in parentheses, "Fortunately, you don't hear lines like that anymore." And then her MVP is E.T., of course, but I think Gertie comes a close second. Then she says, I have a question, if anyone can answer it. Why are there people in NASA spacesuits instead of hazmat suits? I read somewhere this was because NASA had encountered E.T.'s species in space somewhere, so it was to make him feel safe. It just looked weird to me. It looked really weird to me, too. And I actually, I think I missed it back when I was a kid, but rewatching it again last week. You can actually see it says NASA. It's not the real NASA logo. It's kind of stretched mm-hmm. a little bit, so it looks a little bit weird. But yeah, and we didn't really touch on the scene at all. But it's just it's such a ridiculous scene in my mind. I mean, it's they're I mean they're walking like zombies and breaking in through the windows and stuff. And yes, yeah, it was scary. It was it was scary. But looking back now, I'm just like, what are they doing? Well, yeah, I mean, just as a kid, yeah. and then, but I don't think. I mean, I I. I feel like they just didn't put any thought into it. No, I mean, I remember thinking at the time, why are they in spacesuits? Because, I mean, even as, I mean, I was, what did I say, 10 or 11, I guess, when I came out? Yeah, I guess it was almost 11. And it it just seemed weird to me that they would be in spacesuits as opposed to, you know, like a, even like a lab coat or something, you know, it just seemed really, really Mm -hmm. strange. So I don't know. I I think, Kathy, to answer your question, maybe it's just because it's a space alien thing and movie yeah and that that's the that's the best i can do so yeah and then she wraps up by saying i have attached some halloween pictures from our house i was originally going to be robin but when willow wanted to be l i just knew i had to be a demogorgon and she said a small boy saw me and said oh it's a flower (laughs) (laughs) we didn't have any this year we had a demogorgon last year maybe i had we we had one l dressed in her mall jumpsuit the black Mm, uh, that's mm -hmm. the only stranger things that i saw the entire time so anyway she says next the next picture is us copying the willow riding a demo dog drawing that we had from a couple weeks back which is adorable that's pretty awesome and the last is my pumpkin a demogorgon face on the front and a mind flayer on the top and we'll post photos of these kathy said it's okay so we'll post the photos on our social so you guys can see it kind regards and happy belated halloween kathy and willow from england those uh pumpkins are really impressive I always forget how hard it is to carve a pumpkin. Yeah, until. those are those are crazy good. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. And then our last email is from a different Aiden. And he writes in, hi, my name is Aiden. I'm also 10. Well, he didn't write also 10, but he is also 10. And I'm your number one fan, and I love your podcast. Here's my ranking of the characters from each season. Season one was Mike, because he's such a good friend. Season two was Max. Have to love that sarcastic girl. Season three was Dustin, or Dusty Bun. So great this season. And season four was Max again. Sorry, I already put her down, but I just really like her. Anyway, hope you see this. I can hear you read this later from Aiden, your number one fan. And we will be talking more about that in just a second. So hang on to that, Aiden. But before we go, 
and wrap things up. I'm sure all of you guys saw that Stranger Things tweeted out last week the top 10 scariest moments from Stranger Things as voted on by fans. So we thought we would recap those for mm-hmm. you. Number five was when the Mind Flayer takes Billy in episode one of season three. That's when he gets sucked, you know, by his feet back into the Brimborn Steelworks. Number four was Nancy in the Mindscape at the end of episode seven and start of episode eight of season four. Number three was Billy's speech to 11. That whole, you know, all of it <laughs> for yes. you in episode six of season three, which is so good. And then Will's exorcism in episode nine of season two at the end of season two. And then the number one fan voted scariest moment from Stranger Things is Chrissy's death from episode one of season four. Not shocking. No, not at all. So that topic is definitely on our to-do list. We will be doing that sometime in the coming months. We're not doing it though quite yet before Whitney tells you what we are going to be doing in our next episode. Just a reminder to keep emailing us your trivia questions. Whitney and I are going to quiz each other on a trivia episode coming up in the next weeks or months or so. So if you have a trivia question that you would like one of us to ask the other, email it to us and just say in the, in the subject line, this is a trivia question for Whitney to read to Colin or for Colin to read to Whitney. And we will, once we get a bunch of them and enough to fill a show with, we will have a trivia competition between me and Whitney. So feel free to go, feel free to go nuts with those and get those trivia questions into us. Yeah, because we're going to compile them over the next few weeks, and once we have enough, we're going to do a trivia episode from your all's trivia questions. So we'll say who sent us a trivia question and who it's for, all that good stuff. But that does it for this week, but we'll be back in two weeks on November 17th with our top five Stranger Things main characters. Not side characters, they have to be the main characters, because there's wait because we're going to do a side character episode at some point. So we're talking... Core for older teens and adults, main yes. adults, yes. as in Hopper, Joyce, Joyce, Steve, Brenner. Robin, Max. Well, they're the older kids. Is Lucas. Like. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, your your top five main characters, and we will have our lists, obviously, also at the same time. So rank, and if you want to go to 10 or 8 or 12 or whatever, go for it, and we will... We will have that episode on November 17th. So make sure you get stuff into us probably around the 13th or 14th. So maybe by like noon on Monday, the 14th, maybe somewhere in there. Yeah. And we will get them, great. get them on the podcast. Yeah. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it if you left us a review on Apple iTunes and gave us a little like and a follow because it helps us get in front of other listeners like yourself. You can also find us on social media at Scoops Hoy Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And you can email us at scoopshoypod at gmail.com if you want to chat with us, say hello, have some Stranger Things trivia, whatever. Just email us. So we'll read it. Yeah. Anyways, I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mountain Score from Vixabay.